Welcome to our podcast. We are Vintage City Church based out of Fort Collins, Colorado. As a church, we're currently working through the Book of Romans. If you would like to watch the live video from this episode, head over to VintageCityChurch.tv and we hope you enjoy this message. I think we're heading into a, a, a different season as a family. Um, I've been wrestling with it for wrestling just with how to navigate it as a leader for the last few weeks. And uh, so, long story short, um, you have QR codes for those of you that are sitting with a chair in front of you, you have a QR code there. Um, If you will scan that QR code, there are teaching notes available today. And we're going to do this for a season because I want to be free to chase whatever the Lord's doing in a gathering and not have to be stuck to keep us on track teaching-wise. And so I, I worked to prepare the notes in a way that they, fu- they help you fulfill Bible time with Jesus. So you can literally just grab the passages of Scripture, sit at home during the week, work through them, think through them, think through thoughts on them. I have a, a, a myriad of things going on in my head today, some prepared and some not. Um, when was, we were in here during the 7.30 prayer gathering, I felt like the Lord just gave, it doesn't happen very often where I just felt like the Lord just downloaded a word. And the word was, I am calling to the north, the south, the east, and the west for worshipers who will build my house. And then instantly I went to this verse that says, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? This idea in scripture of the Lord looking for a place to rest. And I realized something that all of a sudden the Lord just had opened an index for me. Worship builds the house. The encounter of his presence builds the house. Not the encounter of systems, not the encounter of program, not even the encounter of teaching. But truly, if the Lord builds the house, it has to be built upon his presence. It cannot be built upon his concept. My heart cry is that we are a people who don't just talk about the presence of God, but we are people who carry the presence of God. That we become incredibly familiar with the sense of his dwelling. We have the discipline to walk in his nature, so, we are, so we're, we're putting on his image, but, but there's just, just incredible sensitivity to his presence. To that end, I have no idea how to lead that. Because the only way I know how to lead that is to be incredibly flexible before the Lord. And just say, you you gotta lead it. What is the risk? Let's make sure we all know the risk. The risk is uh, people are gonna think we're crazy, church might get messy, and we might screw it up. You cannot escape those realities. I do not believe God uses the phone, so it's not him. I believe he uses a still small voice, that's what scripture says. But the risk of it is it's gonna get messy for us to be the people we're called to be. Fort Collins, specifically as a city, I would say that it cascades out to what I would call the front range. For 40 years has had all these prophetic words spoken over it. All the prophetic words were unto this move of God, this revival that would come through healing first and foremost. Ironically, I was at Good Shepherd Church uh, as a young worship pastor and 
had a, uh, just this really clear vision from the Lord. This has nothing to do with what's in the notes, by the way, so you better download those so you have them. Um, yeah, I'm just going to get rid of this. <laughs> I had this really clear, I, was, I had just moved into the executive pastor role, and so I was asking the Lord for, for vision for the church, and went through this really painful process of the Lord gave me this incredible picture of what he wanted to do in the front range and what was in his heart. And then he, I, sh- I saw uh, Highway 36 like going into Boulder as a dividing line and the Lord said, I'm after the Denver-Boulder corridor. I want to fortify the front range from the north. Colorado Springs has has already experienced a pretty significant move of God in the last 20 years, 25 years. And I know there's been a lot of difficulty, but um, I don't know when we're gonna figure out that when we cry out for the supernatural, it's gonna get messy in the natural. You cannot be in situations that require the supernatural without without coming face to face with impossibility in the natural. So I get this vision and I take it to my pastor I'm working for and, and he made me so mad. He's like, that's not mine to live out. I'm like, what are you talking about? I've been asking the Lord how to serve you and help you. He's like, well, the problem is vision's proprietary. God will never give another man vision to be led by someone else. The vision he gives you is for you to lead. It's for you to step into. So I, you know, licked my wounds, dejected, because I wanted the attaboy of good job and I didn't get it. If I go back, Christ for the Nations, I'm at Bible school, last day, uh, they have this... uh, laying on of hands, anointing thing, and I was in a class of 88 students, and somehow in the class of 88 students, 87 of them were on the floor, like laid out before the Lord, and I was there standing alone. And I, I, the, the two options are, either I'm so built for the presence of God, nothing takes me down, or God hates me. Those are my two options. <laughs> but I was so frustrated. And I stood there, and I'm like, Lord, what is going on? And as soon as I asked the Lord what was going on, I had a picture blow up in front of me. And I don't get pictures. I'll hear whispers. I don't see things. That's just, that's not my gift. We have people in the prayer team who see the angelic. And I'm like, I want that gift so bad. I just assume Jesus looks like Optimus Prime because I can't see into the spirit realm. <laughs> but a map blows up in front of me. It's in a map of the United States. But how many of you are old enough to remember Bonanza. Yeah, okay, you remember little Joe who wasn't so little? And do you remember the beginning of Bonanza, how there's this old map, and it starts to burn from the corners, from the outside to the middle, you know, and then da 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 you know, remember it begins. So I see this map in front of me, and it's, it's a map of the United States, but it has that same kind of wrinkled brown paper, like antiqued look, but it's burning from very specific places. So this is... What year was this, 96, I think, 95? This would have been 95, 96, somewhere in there. Blynn and I were married and we were in Canada at school because I was still a business guy at heart and it was $1.40 to the dollar, so I got, to, I got school for 60% off, basically. So um, it made sense to go to Canada at that time. Only me, yeah. Now there's other people. 
I, I see this map, and in this map, there's a, there's a, a, a birthing of a, like a flame, and it's burning through from the back, and it's up like a little off the map. I don't know how to explain it. You know when you see visions, you're like, how did I just see what I saw? And then there was one down in, the, in Florida-ish, and then there was another flame on the, about the central coast of California. Now, in your mind, think about this. In 1996, who here knew that Bethel even existed? I had no idea. I had driven through Redding, California multiple times on my way to L.A. growing up. Nothing was in Redding. But there was this flame over there. And then in the center part of the United States, about where Colorado's at, there was another one. And I was so mad because I'm like, that does me no good. I saw an old map that's burning. Cool, yay God, that's an awesome laying on of hands moment for me as I just finishing up college. I was a little disgruntled by it, if I'm being totally honest. Except for the last six to eight months, the Lord's been dealing with me about that. Realizing that there is something for this region that I think he told me a long time ago about. I am powerless to lead that. You are powerless to lead that. But we together can step into that thing. It is in his heart to release a move in this region that is unprecedented. Comfort will be our greatest enemy because the move of God requires sacrifice. The first sacrifice he's calling for is that we learn to give ourselves in worship wholly, completely, Surrendered. It's step one. You need to know the steps as they will come. The next thing he'll ask for is you and your money. After that, he'll ask for your future. He is in the business of systematically taking over everything he's in possession of. He's not looking to partner with your dreams. He's looking to take them over. He's looking to give you dreams that are from him. And if you're going to follow Jesus into a move that changes a generation and changes a region, you have to be willing to sign on the dotted line and say, it's all yours. From now on, I'm yours. I'm speaking largely to a room full of people that have been in the kingdom for a while. We have to have the glory of the Lord when we gather. We can't just build a church that has an hour and 20 minute gathering and it feels good and we study the scriptures. I'm out if that's what we're doing. I want to be a people who understand how to pull heaven into earth so that the atmosphere changes, so that the geography changes so that the political climate changes, so that the city changes. Just going to church and being good people is not gonna do it. I'm not saying it's not part of it. Please don't go out and be bad people, that's bad. <laughs> but can you, if you just lean in with your senses, can you feel the tug of the Holy Spirit into the more of the Lord? Pastor Dustin, uh, was during our 7.30 prayer time, because he's over with, with the kids right now, 
he just brought a word out of Hebrews and he said, hey, you know, the scriptures in Hebrews talk about through his body, we enter the veil, his pierced body, like through Jesus we enter. And he said, I was just struck by Jesus has already done everything he needs to do. What is left is for us to make the choice to enter into what he's done. I don't mean this with harshness. I don't mean it as a pep talk. I mean it like a business meeting. Let's have a real analysis about where we're at. And let's ask where we're going to go and who are we going to be. The responsibility of the people of God is when we get in our car, we set our hearts towards the heavens. Why? Because we're going together to gather and we understand there's an authority that's been granted us, a unique privilege as the people of God that we can actually pull heaven into earth. And we're gonna do that. We're gonna work together to pull heaven into earth so that the physical location becomes changed and transformed and we're gonna start carrying this essence, almost like a perfume that we wear upon us as we walk into the marketplace and we're gonna continue this process of pulling it in and we're just gonna work week after week, line upon line, precept upon precept, systematic becoming a people that know how to carry more of the glory of the Lord. It's not gonna happen all at once because he wouldn't do that. He wouldn't waste it. He would pour it out a little bit and let us have a little bit of faithfulness. And then we walk in that and we abide in it and we learn how to put down some of our stupidities and some of the ways that we're childish. And we're learning how to partner with what heaven's doing because the heart cry in us says, I want your glory more than I want anything. There have been a lot of almost movements in this region. There have been a lot of false starts. There have been a lot of things that didn't get the traction because the risk is when it starts to get traction, it becomes about us. We forget our purpose, we forget our calling. We make it about, we become a city unto ourselves. We can't do that. We have to be a people that carry a single-minded pursuit. We will live for his glory. We will learn how to access his glory. We're gonna release his glory in our city. That is why we exist for this day, for this time. It's why he brought us here. All week long, there's been this verse in Romans that's been bothering me. I think it's in 29. For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. Now, I grew up in a hyper-Pentecostal culture. So I, you know, the way that worked is every time I did something stupid, something got quoted to me from scriptures, which happened a lot. One of the favorite quotes was, you know, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Same passage, different translation. Kind of held over my head like, you know God's got a call in your life. When are you going to obey it? I wanted to be a lawyer. I didn't want to be a pastor. I thought I'd have been a fantastic lawyer. I'm really good at arguing. <laughs> I wanted to run business. I wanted to play stock market. I wanted to do anything but be in the church. And so this was just lorded over me, probably out of a grace because I, it probably kept me thinking about, oh, yeah, there's this whole thing with Jesus that I've got to think about. Gifts and callings 
will never be withdrawn. I want us to understand something that's really important. The gifting and the calling of God is his purpose and his plan and his destiny over your life. There's one over our lives. There's something spoken over this church. Before this church ever existed, there was something spoken over this region. Those are his intentions and his heart. What this does not say, if we lean into it and say, well, he's gonna do what he wants to do, nothing will stop him, that's called universalism and it's ridiculous. What has to happen with this gifting and calling is we understand you've never relented on your perspective on who I am. You've never recanted your position on who we are. You've never withdrawn what you intended to pour out on us. And so we're going to, instead of allowing our weaknesses and our fears to hold us back and say, you know, I can't because I did this, I want you to hear this. Your history hasn't changed his purpose for you. It hasn't changed your gifting and it hasn't changed your calling. The fact that you're not walking in it isn't because he changed his mind. Because the walking in it is the part where we begin to partner. Paul will say we are co-labors with Christ. That we begin to partner with his purpose, his plan, his destiny. We let it inform our decision making and we start to say this, I will align my steps in accordance with what you've said and so I'll submit myself to you and follow. And all of a sudden, he begins to birth what he wants. But we have to understand. David Mitchell talked about God being both kind and severe. There's these dynamic tensions in this passage in Romans. The severity of God will say this, if you choose to ignore my purpose, my calling, and my destiny for you, you won't walk in it. Because I love you enough that I won't force you. I will love you enough to screw up your life and hope that you go back to it. Some of you are walking in dysfunction because you're ignoring the call of God in your life and the answer is repent, submit, surrender, go back to purpose. Some of you left it so long ago that there's this vacancy in you and you're, you can feel it, this emptiness of like, it's who I was supposed to be, I know it, I know I was supposed to walk in it. Just stop fighting and do it because he's never changed what he... His perspective is. You're like, yeah, well, you don't know. So many people did this to me, and because they did this to me, no. No one is ever going to be allowed by God to rob you of your destiny, period. Because he's sovereign. Your journey is secure in him. Yeah, but you don't know what I went through. You're right, I don't. And you don't know what I went through. You have no idea what I had to fight through to be here, and I don't know what you're gonna have to fight through to be where you're gonna be, but here's what I know. He loves us equally because we're his kids, and his dream for us is that we have a future and a plan and a hope, because he says it to Jeremiah. Look, I know what I have in store for you. Blessing, not cursing. A future and a hope. So what's the answer? Just shut up and trust me. back to my aforementioned position. For the last 40 years, there's been a bunch of false starts in this region. It doesn't mean it wasn't the heart of God for this region. I wanna be the people that stand before Jesus someday. And as a family and as a collective say, you know what? We knew what was in your heart. We heard it in the prophetic. We felt it. And we lived for it. We birthed it. What's it gonna be like? to take those crowns, to take those victories and lay them at his feet and go, it was, it was such an honor, such a privilege. What's it gonna be like to see people who on the other side will say, I never would have been here had you not created this. 
What's it look like to see our, our cities and our region changed because there was a people who took serious the call of God to usher heaven in so a revival and a restoration and an absolute outpouring could happen in our day and in our time and we simply said this, it was nothing except the right answer to say, if this is what's in your heart, so be it, Lord, we will comply. Amen. Step one, assess your worship and begin to answer this question. Have I yet to become undignified? Have I become willing to become undignified? Because what David will teach us with his undignified response to the Lord is this unfettered, vulnerable worship is the place the glory rests. David does this unfettered dance prior to the ark. It followed him. The principle is the uninhibited worship will always precede the outpouring of the presence. We will never see what God's called us to see until we begin to worship in unity, uninhibited. Would you stand with me, please? I have no idea how to end this. I'm just thinking. Can you hear my heart in it? It is a rebuke, but it's not out of hurt or anger. It's just to say, church, I'm, I'm ready to see this thing happen. I'm ready to see the glory of the Lord rest on the people of God in a way that is unprecedented. How many are, would agree with me? I want to be part of that. How many are honest enough to go, I don't know, that kind of scares me. <laughs> I don't disagree. You know, C.S. Lewis says he's a good lion, but he's not tame, right? We are not in control of him. And because we can lead churches that seem like we're in control, that does not make us in control. It just means he might be quiet. I don't want him quiet. I want the king released to be who he is. I want you to read in Romans, when you look at this teaching, where Paul begins to assess how incredibly wonderful this king really is. I want you to fixate on that and go, okay, this is the one I'm serving. This is the one I'm worshiping. If you're new, hi. <laughs> I want you to dig in with us and be part of this family. I want you to connect. Matt's over here in the corner in the little alcove. Matt's going to wave at everybody. Matt's going to take five minutes after the gathering. Anybody who wants to talk to him, just walk you through our four basic principles for how we're structuring vintage, how we build it, what it looks like to take that next step. If you do that, it gets you invited into a dinner with the pastoral team uh, where we sit down and just try to share life because I think the scriptures meant it when they said, know those who labor among you. You have to know the leaders that are over you. Um, so I want to invite you to do that. I know Matt's in the shadows over there, but uh, just work yourself south and you'll find him. Let me pray. Put your hand over your heart, please. Lord, we just say yes to you. We say yes to the more of the Lord, fearlessly not defining it. 
you get to define that. We say yes to being a people who will worship with abandon, to become free and undignified before you, and trust that you're enthroned on those praises. Would you come, King of glory? Teach us what this looks like. Teach us how to lead it. Teach us how to steward it. We do believe what's in your heart for this region is real. We affirm it and just restate it. What is in your heart in this region is a desire to transform it with revival, with outpouring. And we say, yes, Lord. May your face shine upon us. We love you and we honor you. Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Thank you for your time with us. We would love to have you join us at a live gathering on Sunday. Our address is 1501 Academy Court, and it's just off of Prospect Road in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, please go to vintagecitychurch.com, and we'll see you next time.